0: Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. It's great to be with you wherever you are. If my voice sounds a little sore, that's because I've been singing. The pubs and clubs are open back across Sydney and I'm able to go and do gigs again. It's the best news ever. Thanks for your support. I continue to receive emails and messages from all over the world. And it's great to be part of this close-knit community of pilgrims. Pilgrims have walked the Camino de Santiago for centuries. There are well-worn paths from Germany, the Holy Land, the UK, France, Italy, Belgium and the Netherlands. One of the best things to learn as a pilgrim is to live simply. Certainly on the most popular Camino, the Francaise, which goes from France across Spain, you need only a change of clothes, water and a few medical supplies. There are places to stay regularly along the way. You certainly don't need all the trappings of modern toil we seem to surround ourselves with these days. I know my friend Elvira Rogue takes pilgrims on the Camino and asks them for their phones so they can undergo a total digital detox. Given our phones so heavily impact our lives these days, it's tempting to leave it all behind, and then some. I remember my first Camino, arriving in Sahun. I booked into the Benedictine monastery. Life was good. I was about to head off on my first Camino, and life was about to get a whole lot better. I had read Palo Coelho's 1987 book, The Pilgrimage. He wrote, "'Life is a long pilgrimage from fear to love. "'That night in Sahun, the nuns blessed us, "'and I still carry the little holy card "'they gave us in my wallet today. "'I carry it with me every single day. "'Life is a long pilgrimage from fear to love. "'I receive emails and messages "'from pilgrims all around the world. "'It's every day, "'and it's the highlight of my day when it arrives.' Well, Victoria Sanderson wrote to me from the U.S. this month. She mentioned a path less traveled. I thought, hmm, there's a concept I'd like to explore. Life is a long pilgrimage from fear to love. Victoria Sanderson is on the line. Welcome, pilgrim. Hello.
1: Thanks for having me. This is very exciting.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is exciting. Let me ask you straight up, tough question. Why, okay. are, why are you a pilgrim?
1: Ooh, that is a tough question to start with. Um, I don't know that I have a choice. I've, uh, I've kind of fallen for the Camino. At this point, it just seems like it's just, a, it's just a part of who I am. I don't know. I think it just sort of found me and it hasn't left me, so
0: yeah. I don't know. Because you wrote to me to say that you've done a Camino every other year since you were 19. What prom- I have, yeah. You know, what's, what prompts a teenager? to do the Camino?
1: Uh, not very good reasons. I, uh, I was studying abroad, uh, my freshman year of college and in Spain. And when the semester was over and everyone was going home, I asked my Spanish professor, what would be a cheap way to stay in Spain? And he said, Oh, you should do the Camino. It'll, <laughs> it'll be great. And, uh, I had no idea what that was. And, I took shoes I had never worn and my school backpack and a pair of jeans and got on a bus to Ponferrada.
0: No, really?
1: Yeah, I actually intended on starting in O Sobrero because he'd warned me there was a big mountain there. Um, And I didn't want to walk up that, but I just couldn't manage to find a bus there. So I just had to start at the bus station in Ponferrada instead.
0: Well, well, let's take a step back. How did you end up? studying in spain then as a 19 year old Uh,
1: i wanted to study abroad at some point uh while i was in college and i was sort of interested in spain uh before and it seemed like a really good opportunity and my school had a program in valencia spain um and it turned out to be uh very important in my life i guess because it led me to the camino so um yeah, so it was. I don't think I thought it would be a fun time when I was uh, just an eighteen-year-old making that decision, and it turned out to be quite important.
0: So what what prompted you as a teenager? Were you in? You were. Were you born and raised in Florida?
1: I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah I am yeah. born and raised in Florida.
0: Yeah, yeah. So what makes a Florida teenager wish to travel and study in Spain? Um, I.
1: I don't know. Good question. Uh, I think I really fancied myself that I was like reading a lot of Ernest Hemingway at the time. Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, so, uh, seemed like a a good option. I think I was choosing between Italy and Spain at the time and, uh, somehow landed on going to Spain. So
0: were you, were you a kind of student who stared at the blackboard or, or were you like me, someone who stared out the window?
1: Uh, I stared out the window. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But that, uh, that semester was actually really great. I took like a Spanish cooking class and a Spanish history class. And so we would, uh, for the cooking class, we'd go to the market every Tuesday morning and buy food and then learn how to cook something. So it was pretty interactive. It was pretty
0: great. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so 19, you start your Camino adventure. Can you, how many Caminos then have you walked?
1: uh including that one
0: uh five right and you wrote to me to say that you'd heard me talking to rebecca scott and it prompted you to walk the camino san salvador and you wrote to say combining the salvador and primitivo proved to be one of your best experiences so let's break it down tell us about the camino san salvador where and when and uh and and tell us about the that experience
1: Yes. So, I had committed to doing the Camino Primitivo um, before that, and but I sort of wanted to make the Primitivo a little bit longer. Um, so, I was thinking of maybe I should walk to Mushia afterwards, but mm-hmm. then I was happened to be listening to your show and Rebecca Scott mentioned the Camino San Salvador and that it was this beautiful mountainous but sort of little known path. Um, so, I Googled it and it took me about, I think, probably 10 minutes of Googling to decide that that's what I wanted to do.
0: Okay. So, so the Primitivo, let's get it straight. So the Primitivo goes from León up to Oviedo, doesn't it?
1: The Salvador goes from León up to Oviedo. Sorry, I've
0: got it around the wrong way. Yeah. The Salvador, yeah. yeah, Goes from León. And then the, yeah. So the, and then the Primitivo goes from Oviedo to Santiago.
1: Yes. Where does it meet? So the roots combine into each other.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you walk from Leon all the way up to Oviedo and then all the way across. How long did that take you?
1: Uh, The Primitivo took me 13 days. The Salvador took me six. So it's about three weeks.
0: And did you always get a bed?
1: Uh funny question. Um so the Salvador uh is pretty well equipped for such a little known route. There are albergues all along the way. Uh but they're pretty small. So a lot of them have like only 12 beds or 10 beds. Um and I walked with a friend and we happened to hit it at a time when a lot of Spanish people were on their holidays. Mm. Um so there was one night where we arrived at the albergue and there were two of us and only one bed left. And the hospitalera actually pulled a mattress out of a closet and put it on the kitchen floor for me. (laughs) Um, So after everyone was done eating, I sort of set up my bed in the middle of the kitchen.
0: So that was... It would have been a good night's sleep too.
1: (laughs) It was fine until they started using that automated coffee machine and it was rumbling around making automatic cappuccinos and things at (laughs) 5 o'clock in the morning.
0: (laughs) You you said... um, When you were in the research stage, you had trouble finding personal accounts of those routes that gave, in your words, a feel for the journey. What did you mean?
1: Um, I could find information on both of those routes about sort of the day-to-day breakdown of how long the kilometers are and um, how many albergues they are. But I didn't find too many accounts of, and especially for the Salvador, of people saying, you know, what was it like? Did you meet people? Where did you find places to stop and eat? Did you find it really challenging? Or was it sort of a fun challenge? I just couldn't really get a feel for what the experience would be like.
0: So are you someone who does a lot of research before they go?
1: I love to research any sort of uh, travel. Um, Mm. I always have a bunch of bookmarks on my computer of different trips that I may or may not take. Um, I my theory is uh, the research is fun. I like to look through uh, that sort of stuff, and then I tend to not stick to any of my plans, but I sort of know all of my options because I've researched them all in the months prior. So. <laughs>
0: what about <laughs> that's so funny what about when you're walking you know uh, some between leon and and the next town have you have you already done the research or do you are you a spreadsheet pilgrim do you know where you're going to stay and moreover do you know what to expect or do you just sort of wing it
1: um so for a route like the salvador there's you only have so many options there's only so many right. But I think for that I started with a a five-day sort of recommended schedule and by the end of day one thought "Mm, that's probably going to be a bit of a stretch and made it my own schedule of six days instead that didn't really follow anyone's suggestions. So um, I think I'd looked over there's a there's a PDF guide that's sort of floating around the Camino Forum on the Camino San Salvador Um, and I had read through that and sort of had an idea of what was coming each day, but uh, I wouldn't call myself a spreadsheet pilgrim.
0: Yeah, because you know, um, w- winging it, like or just saying, oh, "Who knows what today's going to to pan out like?" And I, I don't know where I'm going to stay is fine on the Camino Frances, where there's somewhere to sleep right. ev- every four ks or something. But on those right, right. The, on those routes less traveled, I imagine that it's not not the same. Um, so did you always find a bed other than the night that you stayed in the kitchen? Um, was that the only time that you struggled on both of those routes?
1: Yes, that yeah. was the only time. Um yeah. I'm trying to think. On the Primitivo, I never ran into any sort of uh, problem finding a bed. I sort of ended up with a large Camino family on the Primitivo. Oh. Um, so there were some nights we made uh, reservations, but that was just because there were like 10 of us who all really wanted to stay together. Yeah. Um, and yeah. They usually don't have 10 beds unless you reserve. So
0: so have you walked the Camino Frances?
1: Yes, I have walked it um, from St. John to Finisterre, and then I've also walked... Uh, from Lagronio to Santiago.
0: Oh wow, wow! So how then do these paths less traveled, the Salvador and Primitivo, compare to the Frances?
1: Good question. Um, the Salvador is sort of a different sort of challenge because it's pretty mountainous right um the middle sections are a bit like doing the napoleon route from saint john to roncesvalles three days in a row oh, um
0: gosh okay so
1: it's uh mountainous and there's a bit more planning because you have to find out where there is a grocery store and uh where you can get food and where you can stop the primitivo is a bit more like the francis there's a lot more infrastructure um but there's fewer towns on the route. So everyone sort of gets bottlenecked into the same towns about 25 kilometers away, um, which actually ends up being nice because you, then there's a great sense of community. Even if you haven't seen people all day long on the trail, you all end up in the same spot. So you still have a really similar feel to the Francis um, as far as. as uh, having close friendships and meeting people and having that like after walking good time. Yeah, yeah. Um. But during the day, it's a bit more thinned out. You don't see as many
0: people. So because the paths less traveled, did you find you needed to speak Spanish?
1: Uh, Spanish on the Salvador might have helped. I have enough Spanish to be able to... Yeah, you know, for example, say there's not enough beds. Um but uh no, I think it's especially the primitivo, I think you could get by and uh and just speak English um exclusively. So no, I don't think you need to have Spanish.
0: Let me ask you a couple of questions here, like basics. Um what about water?
1: Water, no, you're still good. Okay. Um you still pass through enough towns. Um, that as long as you're thinking, okay, I'm in a town, I should fill up my water bottle. Um, you'll still be okay on yeah. the Francis. You can probably be a, pr- a little bit more lax about that. If you run out, yeah, y- there's a good chance you're not too far from your next water fountain, but it's not, uh, you don't have to carry liters of water on your back or anything like that.
0: Yeah. I, I walked with a fellow in 2017 He didn't carry water at all on the Francis. Did oh wow, he That's said I yeah, I didn't need to do it. Hey, what about the weather?
1: The weather on the primitivo, there's a sort of notoriously difficult section called the hospitales route um, that goes over uh, sort of a microclimate of very foggy, windy weather. And for that, uh, you sort of have to ask the locals the night before uh, how the weather is going to be. And if it's going to be too foggy or the weather's going to be too rainy, uh, your hospital area will let you know that morning. You know, you probably shouldn't take the mountain route. There's a route that goes along the road that's uh, a bit safer in bad weather. But I walked in August of uh, 2019. And I think I got rained on once,
0: oh, so I'm not too wow. bad. That's fantastic! Oh my god, yeah. I can't wait to get back there. The Primitivo takes yeah. you through Lugo, doesn't it? It does. Yes, it's Lugo a, is a really cool town. Yeah, it's a beautiful city. I loved it. I, I I wasn't there. I actually visited Lugo when I was shooting the video for my song. I actually haven't walked. Oh, okay. I haven't walked into the town. But we had lunch there, and uh, I did a little bit of shopping. It's fabulous.
1: It is a great town. There's uh, yeah, there's great Roman walls you can walk all around, mm. and it's so cool to see the city built right up to the walls. It's And it's got a really local feel to it. You don't see very many tourists out or anything. It's sort of just yeah. the few pilgrims from the Primitivo and then just local
0: folks. Yeah, yeah. So where do you stay in Lugo?
1: I actually... Lugo uh, on the Primitivo is sort of marks the end of the mountainous section, and it's the beginning of the last 100 kilometers of the Primitivo. Right. Um, so it's sort of uh, I would sort of equate it to reaching Leon on the Camino Frances. It mm. like feels like a big moment, like you've really made it. Yeah. And uh, so some friends and I uh, actually booked an Airbnb right on the main square um, and threw a big dinner party when we were in Lugo. So. Uh, there are some uh, albergues there, but uh, we made a sort of a vent out of it.
0: You know, I know ex- exactly where you're talking about. We, <laughs> we we had lunch. No, true. We had lunch on the town square, one of those little restaurants there. Um, oh, yeah, it's great. And it, then
1: there's a, a really fan-
0: cool cathedral behind it. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's yeah, It's a really beautiful place. Hey, I should have asked you at the very start, um, Victoria, th- tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Um, uh, what about myself do you want to know? <laughs> oh, well, you
0: you you you've, you're, you started walking at 19. I think you're not quite 30. Are you a student still now? Um, And, and where do you live? What do you do?
1: So I live uh, most of the time in uh, what we would call an RV. I think you might call it a caravan.
0: That's right. There's the reason why I'm asking you this question. Go on.
1: Okay. Because I'm going to
0: ask you in a minute about Scotty.
1: Okay. (laughs) Um, So I live in an RV and I travel around uh, a bit. My sort of home base is still in Florida, um, uh, not too far from where my family lives. So if I'm on the move, I'm in the camper. Um, If I am uh in florida i'm pr- sort of just parked uh at a safe location in my rb
0: because you you do you, you drive around talking about and checking out drive-in theaters don't you
1: yes so i have a book project sort of ongoing that i started last year um about drive-in movie theaters um so i spent uh, all of I spent most of last summer driving uh, up and down the East Coast, uh, visiting and interviewing drive-in movie theater owners and fans. Um, and that was uh, a per, that was my little RV. Its uh, its name is Scotty, yeah. and it's only thirteen feet long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So that's an adventure. Uh, but I've since moved into a slightly bigger, more comfortable oh. RV.
0: Oh, okay. Well, what, what happened to Scotty?
1: Scotty is going to have a second home as sort of a stationary cottage guest house. Right. Um, it's a probably, it was made in 1984. And I spent sort of the whole spring of 2019 rebuilding it. Um, it needed a lot of TLC. Um, and it, now I think it just needs to be retired from the road.
0: <laughs> so where did this concept, this idea, this love of drive-in theaters come from?
1: There's a drive-in theater in uh, in the town my family lives in. And I was back in town for about a year and I was had a job I really wasn't in love with and didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was going to the drive in movie theater a lot just because it was something to do and I could take my dog. And uh, one night I was just up and I thought, I'm not happy with the way things are going. I've got to change. And I sort of thought about when am I happiest in my life? And I thought about the Camino. I'm happy when I don't have a lot of stuff, Um, when I can fit everything into a backpack. And I'm happy when I'm. Uh, on some sort of adventure with a purpose and I like this drive-in movie theater and so I kind of combined all three um, and moved into my tiny RV and created this drive-in movie theater project and uh, yeah so now I'm sort of in the book writing stage of that.
0: Do you remember what film you were watching when you had this revelation?
1: Um... I do, but it's a little embarrassing. I was watching the Lady Gaga, A Star is Born. <laughs>
0: what? That's not embarrassing. That's fantastic. <laughs> what? That's perfect. A star is born. There you go. That's that's like, Yeah, that, so that's
1: that, the honest answer. I've, that's if you, awesome. If I had known you to ask me that, I'd have thought of something cooler. <laughs>
0: no, well, that's totally cool. That's absolutely fantastic. So let's go back uh, again, um, because I want to return to drive-in theaters and Scotty in a little moment, but in a little while. But first, do you remember where you first heard about the Camino?
1: Yes. So I think the first time I had heard of it was when I asked that professor, you know, how can I hang out in this country a little bit longer? Oh, than that's really right, enjoying yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. Um, but that was even before the movie The Way had come out. Um, so there wasn't a ton of English language information on the Camino. Um, so I remember finding the Camino Forum, and then I remember uh, my professor giving me a, a couple of Spanish websites to look through, but there wasn't as much information as there is now.
0: Yeah, because you can really, I mean, there's movies and books and websites. Your show. And yeah. podcasts. <laughs> and yeah. there, there are guided tours, of, of course. But people say um, that your Camino starts when you begin your preparation. Um, given the fact that you go every other year, do you get that sense or have you been on a sort of continual pilgrimage since you were 19?
1: You know, it's always with me. Um, Mm. so I, have the trend has been that I've done it every other year. And that's not on purpose. I think it's just that I can go about a year without thinking about it. And then it sort of pops back up and I start researching roots and stuff. And then mm. I just can't help myself. Mm. Um, so now I feel like it's very much just a part of who I am. Um, and so I I listen to your show and I sort of browse through the Camino forum and I'm on the lookout for if there's new Camino movies or something. And it sort of feels a part of my everyday. Um, but that wasn't my intention. I, it just sort of happened. I could, I can't let it go.
0: Yeah. Do you, in the weeks or months leading up to going back, um, to Europe, do you train? You get your- I
1: hike and walk quite a bit in right. my sort of normal everyday life. Mm-hmm. So my training, if I know a Camino is coming up, um, I'll put on a full backpack a few times and go on a, on a long hike just to sort of remind myself of what that's like.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but I sort of long walks and hiking, um, I think because of the Camino, have become uh, a pretty big part of who I, who I am on a day-to-day basis.
0: What about getting your heart and mind in shape? Tell us how you prepare mentally and perhaps even spiritually.
1: Interesting. Um, well, when I was preparing for the Primitivo Salvador Camino, um, that was at the same time as I was rebuilding my Scotty camper. Um, so I was sweating in this old camper that I had to rip the whole floor out. And I, uh, was also sort of getting ready for the Primitivo. And that was actually how I found your show, because I could bring my laptop into the camper and listen to your show as I was working. Um, And so I think I, when I'm getting ready to go on a Camino, I sort of start to do those sort of uh, every day. I sort of look into like, are there any new YouTube videos on this route? Um, Are there any sort of blogs I could find? And I just sort of browse around and find out what information I can about it. And I think that sort of gets you in the mindset and buy new socks and stuff like that to get excited about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's, it's easy to get excited about it. Um, I, I, I know that there's a little bit of talk about um, Spain uh, opening, reopening its borders in the not too distant future. Yeah. And I think that the whole pilgrim community all around the world is starting to get excited I, I, what yes, do, what, yes,, what do your friends and family make of of Victoria the Pilgrim?
1: I think now they they don't ask too many questions now. <laughs> I sort of come back with a new batch of stories and they are happy to listen to them. Um I periodically try to convince somebody to come with me, but I don't have many takers um I don't know. I think the more you do it and it becomes a part of just like, Oh, this is what Victoria does. Your family, uh, sort of doesn't want to hear about it anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about walking alone as a woman.
1: I've walked alone. I've walked the whole French way alone. Um, I've walked the Portuguese alone. um, And I say I walked it alone, but it's even sort of hard for me to think that in my own head because you meet people so quickly and so quickly you become so close to people that, yes, I started alone. But, you know, within two days, I had these great friends who were watching out for me and stuff. So um, I think there's a pretty common Camino phrase that you never walk alone. Um, And I think that's very true. So I've never felt threatened or sort of in danger on the Camino. And I think part of that is just because your community of pilgrims is watching out for you.
0: Yeah. And, you know, um, when you are in, you know, I I know I spoke to to, to a woman a couple of years ago and I said to her, what about those, like, you know, those long lonely paths where you're walking through the woods, you know, and aren't you frightened? Mm -hmm. And she said, no way. That's when I'm most alive. That's the most exciting time. And I think that's fabulous that there is that sense that you can walk and feel safe. That's a really fabulous thing about the Camino. Hey, you know, Victoria. Yeah, it is. You know
1: if you don't show up at night, someone is going to ask about you. So, yeah, yeah, there's a real sense of security.
0: Yeah, that's right. No, it's it's great. Hey, you know, um, we're asked in the pilgrim's office in Santiago if we walked with a particular purpose. What, what do you answer?
1: I've always answered that middle box, that spiritual box. Um, I uh, am not uh, devoutly religious by any means. Um, I think the Camino has uh, a really special feel, um, sort of a special. I also have heard Rebecca Scott say juju, I think, yeah. and it does have a strong juju.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but I'm not someone who... Uh, needs to go to a lot of pilgrim masses or something as formal as that um so i don't say that i'm a religious pilgrim but there is something sort of inexplicable about the feel to it
0: so how do you Um, explain that to people how do you put that into words
1: oh dan i don't know that i can um you're gonna make me sound silly um
0: maybe that's the best answer
1: yeah, I don't know that you can. I think maybe my my most honest answer about the the spiritual aspect to it is that when I was a kid and I first walked it, um, if you'd have asked me if I was a religious pilgrim, I would have said absolutely not, no way. That's just I'm not interested. Um, and I think now that I've done it a few times and matured a bit, uh, I'm not as definitely not a religious pilgrim. Hmm. I think I, it has made me sort of question what I know about, uh, faith and things bigger than ourselves.
0: Then what, what did you learn about yourself then? Do you think?
1: Well, I'm in a sort of interesting position, um, in that because I was so young when I discovered the Camino and it's been so constant in my life, um, the Camino, really shaped me more than it changed me. I really wasn't a fully formed human um, at 19 when I first stepped on the Camino. Um, so I think it has sort of shaped who I've become as an adult. Um, I, I think it for sure has. It's a part of my growing up.
0: Wow. What a wonderful... Which is a really
1: privileged position to be yeah, in.
0: Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. I was about to say what a wonderful... Thing to have happened to you. So cast your mind back if you can. Um, you're on the Camino, you're walking with your backpack, um, you've got 26 kilometres, 15 miles ahead of you and a clear sky. What's, most, what's the most rewarding thing about that day?
1: I love it when... I love to, there are great conversations on the Camino and I do walk and talk, but there are some times when, uh, I can just plug in to some music and get a really like sort of quick pace going. And I just, it's almost like my brain just clicks off and, uh, I can sort of feel my body moving, but i just feel like I, it almost feels like if I took another step faster, I could start to fly. I mean, it's just like this weightless, uh, easy feeling of just I can just keep walking and I don't have to worry about uh turning around to make sure I can get back to my car and I don't have to worry about sort of who's around me. Am I walking into a safe place? It's just it's almost like a meditative walking state. And I sort of love when you can get into that. And I, I can't find that uh hiking at home because you've got other responsibilities and you've got to you know, turn around and get back to the trailhead because you've got to go do something. Um, There's just nothing like having an endless trail ahead of you and just all the time in the world to walk it.
0: Mm, Fantastic. What did you find most challenging or what do you find most challenging?
1: On the Camino or sort of more about the Camino?
0: Well, about the Camino. How about that?
1: Okay, about the Camino, I find it really difficult to explain it to other people um and to explain why someone might keep going back. Um, for example, you ask, you know what does my family think? I think my family thinks, why do you keep going back? <laughs> um, it's really difficult to explain how the friendships you forge with people. And how much fun it is. I think people see pictures of like horrible blisters and I come back and say, oh gosh, my shoulders are so tired from my backpack. And people think, God, why is that fun? Um, but it's just the best time. Um, and it's just, I just have a hard time explaining to people, no, this is really, I know it's three weeks of walking in the mountains, but it's actually, it's great.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I, that's so true. I think someone said a couple of weeks ago, there's nowhere else in the world where you would help someone treat their feet. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yes, you know like <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't do it. I mean, you can see people in a town square giving a total stranger a back massage and
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think pilgrims just love it if you can throw your foot on the table and just <laughs> sort of ask for their help, right? I mean, in like nowhere in the normal world would that be socially never, acceptable. Never. <laughs>
0: never, yeah. never. Yeah,
1: people don't understand that.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. So let's go back. I want you to you you've done so how many Caminos have did you tell me how many how many you've done? Five. I've done five in yeah, total. Five. Okay. So so cast your mind back, right? What's a highlight? Tell us a Camino story. Give us a highlight.
1: Mm. Uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to pick. I feel like there's one really great story from every Camino I've walked. Um, since I emailed you about the Primitivo and told you it was so great, I'll, I'll pick one from that. Okay. Um, So on the Primitivo, the last two days you meet up with the French Way and walk into Santiago um, with all of the pilgrims on the French Way. Um, And so you're sort of thrown into this mass of pilgrim humanity when it's previously for the last 300 kilometers just sort of been you and these 20 people you know really well now. Um, and so I noticed in those last days, all the Primitivo pilgrims sort of stayed together. Um, we, didn't, we didn't mingle very much, and we really wanted to keep our close group. And walking to Montegozo, right above Santiago, um, we all met up uh, and decided we would walk into Santiago together. And we were a group of probably about 12 of us who were all pretty close And walking down into Santiago, at some point, we lost this guy named Carlos, the Spanish guy. And we sort of looked around and thought, what happened to Carlos? And then all of a sudden, uh, someone got a phone call, and it was Carlos, and you could hear him panting. And he said, I I lost you at Montegozo, but I'm coming. Please don't go into the square without me. And so we immediately stopped and pulled over at the nearest bar and got a round of beers, and we were going to wait for Carlos. And in the meantime, these two other Primitivo pilgrims showed up. And one of them was this guy from Mexico who walked with a speaker on his backpack. So you could always hear him coming because he had music playing on his backpack. (gasps) And so they showed up. And so he started playing songs and we were singing songs. And eventually Carlos came running up like with his backpack, just sweating all over. And so then we uh, got another round of beers because Carlos had arrived And we were cheering on pilgrims who were walking into Santiago. And I think a few of them even stopped us and said, have you all just given up right here?
0: (laughs) Um, And we said, "Ah,
1: you know, we'll make it eventually. And uh, eventually the bartender came out and said, okay, you guys got to go. You have half a kilometer left. You got to get out of my bar. And so we all started walking with the uh, Mexican guy, Diego's speaker at the head of our, our line Playing music, and we danced into Santiago together, um, all as our big primitivo group. And I'm sure other people thought we were very obnoxious. We sang I Would Walk 500 Miles, that song, um, like six times on the way in. Um, but it was just so full of joy. Um, I've walked into Santiago a few times, and it's never been uh, quite like that.
0: That's fantastic. What a great story. So we Oh, yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah. And so, and, Do you always walk on to Finisterre or Muxia? Do you do you do you spend a night in Santiago and head straight home? What's generally what you what do you do normally? Hang around or go home?
1: Uh, One time when I walked from Saint John, I talked a big talk about it's the Camino de Santiago, not the Camino de Finisterre. (laughs) Um, And then sitting in the pilgrims' mass, I decided I absolutely had to walk to Finisterre. Um, so I sort of had to eat my words with all of my friends and I headed off the next morning to Finisterre. Um, but otherwise, uh, I have, uh, I've taken the bus to Muxia to go see it. Um, but usually I just spend a couple days. I always save a day to celebrate with the people I've met and then a day to get the Compostela.
0: Um,
1: and then I sort of head out of town. Next time I would really like to spend an extra day in Santiago to really soak up the city itself I don't think I've left myself enough time for that
0: yeah I, I guess yeah I don't know I've I've not done the walk from every time I get to Santiago I have to race all the way straight back to Australia back to work and and it's certainly on my bucket list to get there and to do that that's absolutely no doubt about that
1: um yeah it's good to
0: do yeah 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 uh, I wanted to ask you um we talked earlier about spirituality and we talked about what's in the future. Are you going to keep walking Caminos? Is it, can you see a day when you say I've got enough out of it? I've got everything I need to get out of it. Or, or is it something that keeps drawing you back?
1: Um, it does keep drawing me back every time I sort of think, okay, this is it. Um, then something sort of catches my eye and then I think, Ooh, God, okay. That was that, but this looks re- pretty great as well.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, do you have a time for a Camino story? Yeah, of course. Okay. So I once met a woman, um, when I was walking from LaGronia to Finisterre in 2015, um, I was walking alone and I met this woman in, I think, Via Franca who, was by herself and she had a horrible cold. You could just tell she was just not feeling great. And she was trying to make this like bowl of instant soup for herself in the albergue. And I said, Oh, I'll, I'll help you make your soup. You look, you look pretty down and out. And she said, Oh, thank you. And so we got to talking and it was her eighth Camino. Um, And at that point it was my third. So I thought I was pretty hardcore, but this lady definitely had me beat. Um, (sighs) And she told me the story that she had gotten this really pretty severe cold on her second day out from St. John. And I said, oh, that's too bad. And she said that it had kept her from falling into sort of a wave of pilgrims that she met every day because she was walking really short days. And she'd realized that she thought that this would be her last Camino, that she just had this feeling that this was going to be it. And she thought that she got the colds because it had slowed her down and given her the opportunity to say goodbye to all of these places she'd loved. And as we talked, we ended up talking the whole night. And eventually at the end of the night, she said to me, I think you needed to hear my story. And I think she's right. I think at some point I'm going to start one day and know that that's it. Hmm. But not yet.
0: Wow. That's fantastic. Honestly, that's just awesome. Hey, you know, um, they say the Camino provides Victoria. Is that right?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) If you ever think, oh, I really need this thing, the Camino will have either it will appear or it won't and you won't have needed it (laughs) if if it doesn't appear.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ah. Now, look, you've got to go to work and and uh, I've Taken up enough of your time, but you're you're young, not even thirty. Uh, a whole life of love and and adventure ahead. What do you make of the quote that I started with from Palo Pue- Coelho? Life is a long pilgrimage from fear to love. What do you make of that?
1: I yeah, that resonates with me. I like that, and I've read that book. Um, I think one of the lessons I always learned from the Camino and, uh, I don't know why I have to keep learning it, but, uh, is that what ends up mattering at the end of the day is, you know, who you let love you and who you loved in return. Um, and on the Camino that seems really much easier to do than it is in real life. But, uh, yeah, I think the lesson of the Camino is often just, uh, you know, enjoy the people around you and the experience you're having and, uh, let yourself feel that.
0: That's fantastic. That's absolutely fantastic. Victoria, I hope you live long, walk on, keep discovering, sharing and caring. Thank you so much for reaching out to me and thanks for taking the time to talk to us. I really appreciate it. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking about your life and experience. Buen Camino. Thank you. Buen Camino to you. Victoria Sanderson there. A pilgrim from the US who loves the Camino, loves paths less travelled, loves drive-in theatres and a sense of discovery. Victoria and I mentioned the San Salvador Camino and Victoria has written a guide with some of the information that she looked for before she walked it. So if it's on your must-do list you can go to vsanderson.com. That's the website, vsanderson.com. And there's a blog there all about the San Salvador. Indeed, it's a sort of form of guide, but you can find it at vsanderson.com. That's Victoria's website, vsanderson.com. And just before we finish this week, and I know Victoria won't mind me passing on this message at the end of her podcast, you'll remember that I spoke with Noel Braun, the Australian writer Uh, who has really made the Camino part of his life, a huge part of his life. And I had the good fortune of meeting Noel in Adelaide in October last year, a beautiful human being. He has written books about his journey after his wife took her life, uh, after battling depression her entire life. And he now walks the Camino, uh, writes about it, writes about mental health issues and shares his stories. He's a beautiful human being who writes exquisite stories. He's been involved with making a series of podcasts with a group in Australia called Beyond Blue. Beyond Blue is, I guess, our national mental health help service, Beyond Blue. And they selected six of their speakers from the panel to feature in podcasts. And Noel is one of them. And it's, I know you love podcasts because you're listening right now. Uh, so if you're interested uh, in listening to Noel's story, just go to uh, Facebook and search for Beyond Blue, and the podcasts are there. And Noel's podcast includes him reading from his book, No Way to Behave at a Funeral, which was reprinted this year. It's also available as an audio book. So just go to Beyond Blue on Facebook and search for the uh, podcasts, the Beyond Blue podcast, and have a listen to Noel Braun tell his story in Amongst Some Peers, encouraging us to think more about our mental health. I love that when you type Halo Coelho into Google, it comes up as Brazilian lyricist. If his books are lyrics, then there's some of my favorite songs. He wrote, Life is a long pilgrimage from fear to love. It's true. I hope love is on your horizon. Walk on, pilgrims. I'm Dan Mullins. Until next week, Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way. Somewhere